Hello everyone, this is Bhupender Singh and I hope you are all doing well. I'm simply blissed out as I bring a series of these podcasts which are actually my live conversations on Wisdom app. I wanted to pass on the learnings the coming together of beautiful minds with different backgrounds, with different experiences from different parts of the world. If you are seeking happiness, if you are seeking to add value to your life and also in the community you live in and also to this world, you have come to the right place. You don't want to miss series of these podcasts. They are golden nuggets in here. Nuggets of wisdom. Enjoy this episode and don't forget to listen to other episodes. Happy listening. Hello everyone, this is Bhupender and I hope you are ready for this weekend and out of your busy schedule you will be taking some time for yourself and I will be talking about why it is important to be with yourself and how you go beyond your beliefs because you are actually beyond all your beliefs, the limiting beliefs. It's by default that we as attention are able to move outwards through our five senses. And on a personal basis, and also in terms of humanity as one community, we have made a lot of progress. In terms of technology, in terms of amenities of life, in terms of discovering so much in the space, but yet, somehow, we have not explored, or if we did explore, the greatest dimension of being human. You know how they say that humans are the most evolved species on this planet. What that really means is, that at the level of this physical body, this is the most evolved being. The human body is a miracle by itself. But when we look at the state of affairs, our personal lives, or this world, looks like there is a room for growth, 
there's a great opportunity, shall we call it that, to evolve. Being human is more than just being this physical body, this miracle called the physical body. We as attention or awareness by default move outwards. It is very uh, similar to a jumbo jet on a runway. We have a lot of successes, a lot of wealth, a lot of achievements. And at some point, we are bound to ask how much more I can gather, how far I can go on this runway how far I can go outwards because this runway is not unlimited. It has a limit. And if that airplane does not take off the runway, what happens? It can crash. It can crash and burn, and that's what is happening with majority of people. And that end of the runway manifests itself as the pain. That runway are our limited beliefs. We do have an option here. And it has been shown to us numerous times, in numerous ways. Shown or more of these humans explored this dimension, which is beyond this physical body, which is going inwards, which is actually meeting ourselves, which is also called self-realization. Self-realization simply means I need to turn inwards to find out my bigger dimension of existence, my dimension of existence beyond my beliefs, like that airplane that is running out of runway, if it takes off, it's a totally different dimension. But somehow, because of our limited beliefs, we have come to the conclusion that being human 
is to constantly struggle. Being human is to live in the duality of love and hatred, pain and happiness. Being human, we have come to the conclusion, many of us, is to manage stress. Think about that for a moment. Managing stress. Stress is actually a symptom of mismanaging our life. So instead of trying to manage our life, we are trying to manage stress, the symptom. No matter for how long you manage stress, no longer, no matter for how long you manage these beliefs, these thoughts, you cannot go beyond them. You have to get to the bottom of the matter. You have to get to, to the bottom of who you are. And when that airplane is told, you have two jet engines, means you have the potential. And there's fuel in your tanks, means you have the capability to rise, to take off, to go inwards, to find who you are, to explore the greater dimension of being human. The greater dimension of being human is beyond duality. It is actually beyond all these limited beliefs. And those who believe in themselves are get inspired, are like that airplane on that runway they're going to take off. They are going to move in the greater dimension of being human. And that is going inwards. Going inwards means turning your attention inwards. It will be difficult in the beginning. It is bound to be difficult because what are we going to face when we move in a new direction? We are not used to it. We are not, not used to not using our senses going inwards. But until we don't do that, we will remain stuck in our limited beliefs. And simply put, limited beliefs are if I believe that I am impermanent by my association, by my identification or identifications 
with this physical body, with the possessions I have, with the titles I have, they are all limited. They are all impermanent. But I, the real I, the self-realized I, is not impermanent. So until I'm not self-realized, I will continue to be limited. Limited when I believe that I am what I see. That I am what can be perceived with the five senses. Anything and everything you can perceive with the five senses is limited. And it is a belief. It is a limiting belief. And it is the cause, the root of the suffering. And suffering in this context is actually a messenger. Don't judge it. Pain is a message. You know, when we, if I'm wearing shoes, that are smaller, say I wear size 9, but if I try to fit into shoes which are size 7, what's going to happen? There will be pain. In the same way, when we wear these limited beliefs, it is pointing that we are trying to fit into, we are trying to identify with something that is limited. It's as simple as that. So what do we do? We get out of those shoes that, that are size 7 instead of size 9. But if you remain in these limited beliefs that I am what can be perceived with the five senses, No matter how I manage these thoughts, manage these behavior patterns, manage the stress, I will get, I am stuck in what does not fit me. I am not limited. And you need to tell yourself this. Why you need to tell yourself? You have to plant those seeds. And if you still think that you want to remain in this size 7 shoes, in this limited beliefs, nobody can save you. You have to make that choice. I say, choice is the pen with which we are writing our tomorrow. Choice is the pen with which we are writing our tomorrow. 
tomorrow doesn't mean next day. Tomorrow means this very next moment. Yesterday means the moment that just passed. We need to really, really redefine the way we think, the way we see things. We are postponing life when we say tomorrow, or some people believe next life and last life, uh, last lifetime. No, let's focus. Let's come here. Let's arrive here first. It opens doors of opportunities. So if we are identifying ourselves with anything that can be perceived with the five senses, it's a limited belief. We don't have to now open this big box of limited beliefs within which there's so many other beliefs. Use this as a measure. Anything that can be perceived with the five senses, that can be experienced with the five senses, is limited. So what can be perceived with the five senses? This world, my titles, my possessions, even intangible things like how people perceive me, good or bad. The intangible part are our thoughts, it's our mind. And even if we identify ourselves with this mind-body, with this mind, with these thoughts, this mind is also limited. And identification with this mind, with what is limited, is not our true self. It is also a limiting belief. It is also size seven shoes which we are trying to fit into because we are size seven, size nine. And you gotta pause here for a moment. Are you operating at the level of mind? Are you identifying yourself with your thoughts? And let me clarify what happens when we identify ourselves with our thoughts. And when I say limited beliefs, I'm including parts of happiness and parts of pain. I treat them as one because none of these are everlasting. Both are limited. In fact, they both come together. What is the source of your happiness today will be the source of your pain. It is transient. For example, if, um, for example, I'm, I'm having a vacation and I consider that vacation 
is the source of my happiness and that vacation is not going to last forever. It is limiting. It is limited. Being on that tropical island is temporary. So is your happiness. And say someone is very happy because they have a beautiful body. It is temporary. It's not there forever. In that very physical body, that is a source of happiness, will bring pain. Because we are identifying with something that is impermanent. Say if I'm famous, or I have most followers, on the social media app I am on. And that can change. That can change. And our identification with what is impermanent is limiting us. It's a limited belief. And I call it duality. Duality is like a two-faced coin. It is the impermanent happiness. And even the pain is impermanent if we really look at it. The reason I say happiness at the level of the mind is impermanent because in truth mind is movement thought is movement simply put it in that fashion and when we experience pain or we experience happiness we are association associating identifying ourselves with movement and no movement is ever permanent you know when we say oh i was moved it could be in joy or it could be in pain anger is a movement does it remain there forever lust is a movement so is greed move us. Move means the mind is moving. And when we associate ourselves with something that's moving, we also become that movement. There will not be stillness. We will not be able to connect with ourselves. If you already experienced being with yourself, or if you have not experienced being with yourself, you will know the difference between the moment and stillness. We use the word stillness, but we really need to experience it. Stillness means not identifying with what is impermanent, 
not identifying with what is limited, not identifying with what is movement, and movement is mind. But we miss what is still. We are missing ourselves. We are not connected with ourselves. We are like that tree that has, that is uprooted. We are not connected with our sense. We have not explored this dimension of actually being human. And those who have explored that dimension of being human, we, when we are stuck in limited beliefs, have come to the conclusion that they are like gods. No, they are also humans. But they have explored, they have connected with something greater, the greater dimension of being human. They have gone inwards. They have connected with themselves. They have disassociated with what is impermanent, what is limited, what is not movement, what is not the mind. Now, someone might ask, it's very easy to understand, to know this is a physical body, because it can be perceived through the five senses. And to not identify with this physical body, you don't have to create a new belief because Bhupinder said it, and you're going to start believing you are not this physical body. That is actually ignorance. You have to completely understand by reflecting on this truth. I say the truth because if you really go explore these Buddhas, when I say Buddha, I'm not talking about that one Buddha from India. Buddha is anyone who is self-realized. They speak about it in their own language, using different words, different languages. And that really intrigued me because I was like that airplane that was running out, that was burning out, that experienced a lot of pain or suffering, that was left with no other option other than to go inwards, no other option other than to take off, other than to explore a greater dimension of being human. Have I got there? That's not important. I'm moving in the right direction. That is enough. It's not about getting there. It's about moving in the right direction. And once you're moving in the right direction, 
you will not be asking when I get there. Because on this journey of self-discovery, of self-realization, of going inwards, you know it will take you beyond all your limited beliefs is enough. The question, when will that happen, is actually movement, actually your mind coming in your way. Be careful. That movement is distraction. That thought is limited, is distraction. And once we detach from what is limited, starting off with our physical body, here's a belief which is stated as, I am this physical body. So if I live in this belief, I identify myself with, with this belief, see what happens. Then I say, I am healing. So in that moment, I am thinking, I am this physical body. I am healing. Right? But let's explore why identifying being with this body makes us limited. This physical body is limited. It means it is impermanent. It will not remain forever. And as I said, what can be perceived with the five senses is limited. This body is limited. But me, you, and everyone else is not limited. So this is number one limited belief. I'm going to simplify. Instead of talking about 100 beliefs, I'm going to sort of bucket them in two limited beliefs. It is a limited belief that I am simply this physical body. Why I'm not this physical body? Where is the evidence? You might ask. And you should. Otherwise, you will end up creating a new belief. Start believing, I'm not this physical body, but when something happens to the physical body, you're reacting. For example, say if I have a knee injury, and you ask me, Bhupinder, how are you doing? And I say, I'm in pain. And that's telling me something about me. I am identifying with a part of my body. I am saying, I am this knee. And now, if you ask me, who are you, Bhupinder? And I say, I am this knee. And you're like, no, you're more than that. And when I'm, at, I'm that knee, I am pain. But what if I was to say, my knee is injured and there is pain. It's not about denying pain. It's about acknowledging it. 
but being very clear, my knee could be hurting, but I could still be okay. I can choose to be okay because I know this knee will heal. It is impermanent. Use this as a method. Method to detach from what is impermanent. That pain, that suffering is a message. Listen to it. If you don't, you become attached to it. My knee could be hurting, but Bhupendra could be okay. And you have to really experiment with this. So let me share a little story from last year, I think it was uh, early January, just uh, uh, pre-COVID. I injured my shoulder, right shoulder. There were some torn tendons uh, due to a fall off my mountain bike. And then right after that, I think within a week, I had high fever for three days. It was like one or two constant fever. So I was tied to my bed for three days straight. So I still remember I was lying down in the bed. I had no choice. The body was not supporting too much movement. And as I was lying down, I couldn't sleep for <laughs> on continuous basis. I could not keep listening. It, it even hurt to hear anything. Um, and to speak was also painful. So in a way, I was forced to go inward. And I still remember lying down when I thought, I have only one option, I need to go inwards. And when I started going inwards, I could sense this pulsations in my shoulder. It was pain. It, it was something was happening within my body. And then I started reflecting on it. I'm like, what's happening here? Oh, my shoulder is meant to heal. And it is swollen to restrict the movement of the shoulder. Wow. Did I create that swelling? No, my body is smart enough. It created that swelling to restrict the movement. And it's healing me. Then I said, what about this 102 Fahrenheit temperature of my body? How, or why does this temperature elevate? Ah, there are some foreign bodies, microorganisms in my body, and my body elevated its temperature. So those viruses or bacterias 
cannot survive. In that moment, I realized what I was calling pain was actually my healing. There was something greater within this body. There's some greater intelligence within this body that is actually doing the healing from inside. And this intelligence was not me in that moment. I could never register that there were viruses in my body. But this intelligence did register. And what I was calling being sick was actually my healing. And I'm lying down. I'm having these thoughts. I actually uh, created a podcast based on my experience. So I still remember my wife came over when I was in, my, in, in bed thinking these thoughts. And they could see how I was restricted. How I was in the bed. And she goes, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. And then my mother came after a few hours. She asked me the same question. I said, I'm doing great. And they thought there was something wrong with me. I could see the expression on their faces. But they did not realize in that moment. I was going inside me. I was able to see something beautiful happening within me. That pain was a messenger. I could still be all right. In that moment, I realized I am in this physical body. I am not this physical body. I am in this physical body. And whatever is happening in this physical body is its way to heal itself. If there is a pain, it's drawing my attention so I could do what is necessary in that moment to take care of this healing process or to facilitate this healing process and not be a roadblock. If my shoulder has a restricted movement, simply it simply means don't move it. But if I'm complaining, I am standing in the way of the healing process. Means my understanding is limited. My body is in pain, but when those thoughts are also filled with pain, my both bodies, the physical body and the mind body, they are hurting. They are in pain. The physical body will heal, but sometimes our mind bodies don't heal. Then what happens? Then we are afraid of riding that bike again. We are afraid of falling. There is fear. That is an unhealed body, unhealed mind body. That fear is actually a messenger. That fear is pointing to something. That fear is pointing to disassociate from the movement, to not identify with that movement, to not identify with the mind.
but as mind we always associate with what is limited we miss the bigger picture going inwards the next step is to get to let go of the limited belief which says i am this thought i am this mind it is like that sky is saying the open blue sky the limitless sky i am this cloud the cloud is limited the cloud is impermanent it is not there forever but the cloud is because the sky is the mind is because i am i am that sky the limitless sky the still sky no moment but because of the sky the moment as that cloud is possible because of i am simply i am the mind is the thought is try experimenting to understand if you are the mind or not the mind try looking at the sky when there are no clouds how long you can do that and now try looking at the sky when the clouds are moving it's so very easy to associate with with what is moving with the thoughts with the clouds are you able to hold your attention are you able to identify yourself with the sky it it might feel boring what are you asking bhupendra to do look at the open sky what's there nothing yes that nothing is what i'm talking about nothing not literally that nothing that sky is actually everything and that is you but we fail to identify to associate with what is still what is unlimited the sky is unlimited and actually the sky is not there's no such thing called a sky but it appears it's actually space it's actually space and in this space is everything in that space are the suns the stars the moon the earth isn't it 
we are that space in which this mind is, the limited mind, in which, I mean in this space, also is this physical body. We are that. We are neither this physical body, we are neither this mind, two limited beliefs. These two beliefs are the source of all beliefs, all beliefs. So you can keep managing these two beliefs. The mind is a belief in form of duality. When there is a thought of pain, there is also a thought of happiness, but they don't, both don't stay forever. They are both impermanent. Being with yourself means realizing you are this empty space in which this physical body and mind are. You are that sky. You are nothing, but not literally. That nothing means you are everything. That everything from which everything came. Everything, the second everything is all that can be perceived with the five senses. And all that can be perceived is impermanent. And as long we identify with what is impermanent, we, the permanent beings, becomes impermanent. That space, within that space, you can have fire, but nothing happens to the space. It still remains. You can have a storm in this empty space, but it still remains. You can do anything in this space. In this space is the whole universe. It's not really space. It is everything. And you are that. Until you are not that, you have not realized who you are. Until you are not self-realized, the concept of oneness is simply a theory. Simply, something you read, it is actually a belief then. There is a huge difference between knowing something and realizing something. To know is good, but you have to move forward. As I said, don't take my words. They will become your beliefs. And beliefs are limiting, limit and will limit you. 
will not give you the comfort you're looking for, will not bring you to peace. You have to realize, you have to become what you're talking about. That space, or this space, look around yourself. Your physical body is in that. But you as space, you as that limitless being, have associated yourself with what is limited, and you have become limited yourself. I do have a guest here, and it's none other than my friend from UK, Alexandra. <laughs> good morning, or good afternoon. Good morning, Bupinda. <laughs> good morning. Oh, I literally do have 10 minutes. I'm preparing to jump on a course. So I'm, I'm like, is is this too too rushed? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to go on. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> oh, well, you speak to me as always. And it, it is, it's always anchoring. It's, mm -hmm. it's like this, this continuous coming back round to the same point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, you know, g g escaping into humanness <laughs> and then coming back to the same point. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, and so it just feels like that ultimately any thought or belief or any equation I try to solve as a human being, it all has the same answer. What is that same answer? that well everything is consciousness it, it's like mm -hmm. it, it all comes back to the ocean everything always mm -hmm. comes back to that ocean mm -hmm. um and yet there is still the part of me that tries to find other answers than that and and so it's quite mm. funny how you know it, it's what you said about for as long as you just think about these things and you're, you're not self-realized. It's just a concept. Yes, it is. And so I very much can feel how much I'm there. And, you know, I, I, I think anyway that most of us will, will never get to that <clears throat> self-realization point. Like it's something to, I don't even know if it's something to strive because it, when you really listen to how it happens for the ones that are, then it just happened. It's not something yes. that was a course you know, where yeah. you go through those stages. It's actually the complete right. strip, stripping down and the not trying to identify with it as a concept mm -hmm. or something to attain. And so then to me, that will be the complete state of surrender. Yes, so, so what you're saying is profound. So instead of, I actually said that as part of this conversation, instead of stop uh, this thought of trying, I want to get there, just know that I'm moving in the right direction, period. Mm -hmm. This urge to get there, mm -hmm. I'm late, someone else is getting there, it actually taking us away from the path. Let's enjoy, let us be where we are period. Mm. But be very clear that as thoughts, I'm moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And I will get there. And you're right. 
it's not about it's not about movement it's actually no movement no thought mm-hmm. it is here it is now but these are words again mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's no other way to do it it's essentially not doing anything not being any movement movement is the mind movement is the thought movement takes us away we become those clouds in the sky we are the sky it actually requires to do nothing so you're right yeah and for me one part that has come up in a in a conversation yesterday is around relationships and i find that for as long as i'm on my own and you know it's like there is no moving target <laughs> mm-hmm. um especially say in a love relationship mm-hmm. with 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 one person with a significant other when that's not there it's 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 much easier to focus and to to embody more of those well it's not a concept but we need to find words so <laughs> you know it it getting closer to the ocean within myself mm-hmm. and then when i add another person to that even even in terms of you know it would be nice to be with someone so so and even mm-hmm. thinking how that adds so much extra mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that then it's like confusion multiplied in terms of how to work with that when another being is involved because also mm-hmm. it very much depends on where they are in their mm-hmm. journey mm-hmm. and so it there has to be that vibrational match to maybe minimize confusion mm-hmm. um but also then i feel like there is still this human aspect of you know how do we have relationships on on these deep levels where we f- feel this deep love for someone and yet still find a way of moving towards that path of self-realization without getting mm-hmm. caught up in the dynamic if, if that makes sense it makes sense and and uh, i i know you have a few minutes i actually when i started on this path i divorced my wife wow but i remarried her wow and that is exactly for the reason you're saying here i thought <laughs> i'm more evolved this is sort of not helping me and i <laughs> at that point actually wanted to become a monk leave this world because i thought that was the only way and we can talk more about this at some other point yeah but i made a u turn wow i said the only way to self realize is you have to be off this world mm. otherwise you are drowning and you leaving the water and you've chosen a guru who told you leave the water you will never drown yes i won't drown but i'm also human mm. and is marrying the two Yes, that is a very fine line. Mm. Me and my wife, <laughs> we, our lives have totally changed. I'm a different person. I call it 2.0. Mm-hmm. And we, we are at a very different wavelength in terms of this journey, but at least we both are on the same journey now. Yeah. It is possible. It is rare. I will say that. Mm. 
but you have to consciously choose. I'm not saying what is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. If it requires, remember we talked about marinating ourselves? Oh, yes. Marinating in wisdom. My separation was marin- my marination because that's all I did, Alexandra. I wake up, I tried damn every meditation. I read every book mm. that I could put my hands on to. But that actually brought me closer to the same person that I ran away from. <laughs> wow. And people thought I was nuts for going back with the same person. And for me, that was to really know if I'm afraid of the water, because I was thinking the water is drowning me. I realized, no, it was not the water that was drowning me. It's my inability to swim was drowning me. (laughs) These relationships are like that water. Yeah. And I see a lot of people who are Mm. so-called spiritual have left a relationship saying, this person has a different awareness. That's what they say. And and that's true. Mm. And it becomes a challenge sometimes. Mm. So what you're asking or what are you exploring will open new doors for you. Mm. Yeah. Very much so. You always bring something beautiful to the table. You know that. Well, I I guess I know. I still find it hard to acknowledge it. Because we are are conditioned. We have so many beliefs. Even there's so many books Mm -hmm. that are, most of the books are written at the level of the mind. Most of them, they are not able to take us beyond the mind. Yeah. Only we ha- we can go there. They will take us to the door. Mm. We have to walk past that door. You got only 30 seconds, so I'm going to shut up. That's here. okay. No, <laughs> I, I don't have any. Well, it's like I have everything to say and nothing because I know our conversation is a continuous one. And, and that's sure. beautiful. And I just appreciate so much you sharing so openly because that has just given me these extra nuggets that I needed to being able to sit with this. So thank you so much and have a beautiful day and I'll connect with you very soon. Yeah, thank you. Have a wonderful day and thanks for stepping in here. So that was uh, Alexandra, a true seeker. Um, We had many conversations and... um, She asks questions, which I love. The only way to move is to ask questions. The questions is like, if, if I was walking as this physical body is, is to lift my foot up. Questions are important and no question is right or wrong. Questions are important. If you're not asking questions to yourself, are not having that dialogue. You're not trying to lift your foot up. You're not trying to move out of this limited belief. The limited belief being that I am identifying myself with anything that is impermanent, 
it is a limited, limited belief. And I'm going to focus on the question that uh, my friend Alexandra just asked here. It was about if she chooses to be with another uh, person, means having a significant other, how would she still continue her seeking, continuing her inward journey? And what that question really means, how I could do my day-to-day things, interact with people, have a family, go work, and still what we call a spiritual. Because there's also a belief that say that essentially we are stuck with, which says these two are not possible. You have to leave the material world. And I use that example. And in fact, that was my experiment with my own life, where I thought these two were not possible. And I was drowning. Drowning means as the, as this awareness, I as this attention, I as this space, was attached to what was in the space. In this space is this world. My worldly possessions. My drowning means I as awareness identifying with what is impermanent. I did not realize this at that at that time. So instead of saying how to learn to swim in this water, the water is this world, the physical world. I decided or I thought getting out of this water is the only way to not drown. Yes, you can get out, but you have to come back. You are in this world. It has to be the inclusiveness versus exclusiveness. So what I really mean by that So when we become attached to something which is impermanent, which we can perceive with five senses, and then we say, this world is a bad place to live. People are bad. Situations are bad. It's like being in the water and saying, this water is bad. The water drowns me. If there was no water, I won't drown. Okay, then you leave the material world. And here's a second perspective. The same water that is drowning me today, if I learn how to swim, this water will take me across. It will take me across if I'm standing by river from one bank to the other bank. The same world that we call the material world, it is actually facilitating that. It is not this world, it's not this people, not the situations that are the cause of our pain and suffering. It is actually my inability to be of this world and remain detached to it. So how it is possible for me 
to swim across that river? What is the fundamental difference if I drown versus if I swim? If I, as that swimmer, get into the water and then I try to hold on to the water, what's going to happen? Drown. In this world, we are trying to hold on to things, people and people. But keep in mind when I say people also, good people and not so good people. We tend to attach, we tend to say, I want to surround myself with positivity. Great, it's good, but don't be attached to it. Because we don't want to lose those people. And when we move with this notion, I don't want to lose this person, we will drown. We are becoming attached to it. If you are with a partner, they are going to change physically and also in term, mentally in terms of their thoughts. Give them the space. Allow them. We fall in love most of the time with the physical bodies of others. And then some of us fall in love with what we call their personalities, means with their thoughts. And as I said, both are impermanent. We are here on a journey. Everything is transient here. Every relationship is transient and treated as such. But when we attach to anything that is impermanent, we as a swimmer are not able to go across this river, this river of relationships. Relationship with other people, relationship with things, relationship with anything that we are perceiving here, like relationship with my food. What kind of a relationship is that? We need to understand. And the reason we drown trying to go across this world, trying to be spiritual in the material world is because we become attached to it. Be in this material world and remain detached to it. Like that swimmer. That swimmer is able to go across the river because it is not attached to the water. It is not attached to the river. There's nothing wrong with having things. But remaining detached is important. And that goes back to what I said initially. We are not impermanent beings. And when we as that impermanent being identify ourselves with what is impermanent, what is limited, we drown. Be with the person you need to be with today. But remember, we are like rivers. Two rivers cannot be one until they fall into the ocean. You can be with the person of your choice. But remember, they will remain to be different than you. They will evolve with time. 
they might do something in a situation which you never anticipated. And that's what we are afraid of at times. Oh, did I make a, make a wrong decision? I thought this person was not like this. You will not know until they are put in that situation. And this is the truth. This is the reality. But if you don't have a relationship with yourself, that relationship will become your crutches because you are trying to be happy. And that's why you're building that relationship. You are identifying with what is impermanent. But the two rivers can be one when they fall into the ocean. Self-realization. And then there is only one. I use the example of the river and the ocean. And um, uh, someone asked me the other day, oh, I didn't knew the rivers fall into ocean. So I'm going to name some rivers so you could know where I'm coming from. Uh, there are few rivers that fall uh, in, in the Indian subcontinent, uh, like the Ganges, uh, the Brahmaputra, the Yamuna. They, they fall into the Indian Ocean. They start from the Himalayas. They flow all the way down there. So for a moment, that, let's assume uh, when we're trying to understand um, and, uh, uh, this concept is we as the rivers are different from each other. And we will remain different. We can come close, but we cannot be one. Because we are physically different, mentally we are different. And those two parts of us are impermanent. What is permanent, or what is still, or what is one, is the space. There is one space within which there's so many Milky Ways. I'm just zooming it out here. So many suns, so many stars. But this space remains the space, no matter how many things are in this. So when we, as these flowing rivers, which is the impermanence, which is the physical body and the mind, when we realize means when we become that ocean into which we are meant to fall, then we are all one. That's when, when we say we love someone, we are actually loving ourselves. It doesn't feel we're trying to love someone. We are simply loving someone. We are simply honoring ourselves by honoring someone else. And that is the difference between a self-realized person. That is the difference between holding on to beliefs, living in these limited beliefs, versus going beyond the limited beliefs. And for a self-realized person, the meaning of relationship is totally different. It's simply about sharing life, period. No expectations. No surprises. No disappointments. Why? 
because that expansive understanding tells us at the level of this mind and at the level of this body we will remain unique in our own ways people will react differently to the same situation people will handle situations differently you cannot change them you cannot impose yourself on other people and if you're doing it you are sinking your own boat you are living with an expectation from outside of you you are thinking the source of your happiness you have to create your happiness by changing people situation and things around you you can spend lifetimes doing that if you change something a thing a then thing b will arrive and that's what is happening that's what i meant when i started off this conversation by saying we when are moving outwards always i'm not saying we don't have to move outwards in the material world we have to there's no running away the ones who run away don't know how to swim in the water they're blaming the water but have you wondered the person next to you how are they able to not drown is the same water if water was the reason or water was the cause of drowning then every one should be drowning right it is me when i'm attached to this material world the material world has a very simple definition because we have narrowed down the definition of material world to the things when i say material world i'm talking about anything that is impermanent anything that can be perceived with the five senses including our own physical bodies and our own thoughts they both are limited they both are impermanent and this is the definition of material world if you are a true seeker and when we identify ourselves with these two limited beliefs with these two big impermanences we drown as simple as that but when we find we 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 realize who we are then we don't attach with these two when i know i'm wearing a shirt i know i'm wearing a shirt but when i don't know i'm wearing a shirt i think i'm this shirt someone compliments me they're complimenting the shirt but i think they're complimenting me for example if someone compliments and says bhupender you are handsome so what it is actually saying is your physical body meet these standards by which it is handsome but when i when i know i am in this physical body it is simply a shirt then i as that moment i as that mind don't jump or don't fall means i'm detached i acknowledge i acknowledge i accept 
but I'm consciously, mindfully listening to what other person is saying because there's a next person in line who's going to come and say, oh, someone else is more handsome than you. And I, as that movement, I, as that mind, because I'm attached to this body, will feel otherwise. Both are impermanent, both are movements, they are created because of my identification with this impermanence, with this material world called this physical body. I know that this is pretty dense information and I thought of doing this early in the morning. So you could start your day, you could start your week and with these thoughts that can lead you in the direction of your self-realization. And once you connect with yourself, once you have that relationship with yourself, this whole world will change for you. The same water that you were afraid of because you didn't know how to swim, you thought it was drowning you. Now you know this world will take you, this water in this river will take you to the other end. It's the same water, but it's not the same for everyone. So we give meaning to things, people, and situations. They really don't have a meaning. We assign them meanings, but when they become <clears throat> like blank screens on which we project ourselves, then it will be very clear to us. Now I can create this world of my choice. I can see what I want to see without changing the other person at all. Then I am with someone not because I need something from them. It's simply to enhance my life, their life. It is simply to add value to my life, to their life. And that relationship is beautiful. That relationship is rooted in something greater. It is the same inner seeking. It is not about getting there. It is about simply being here in this moment. Even though when I talk about we have to get there, it's very hard to express without connecting with the mind because mind is movement. Movement means there is a point A, there is a point B. When we talk, when we converse at the level of mind, I have to say these things. But as my friend Alexandra said, it's not about going anywhere, it's here, it's now. It's not about doing something, it's about not doing. means it's not that movement, it is no movement. It is not the mind, it is no mind. And I hope this makes sense. I don't want to make this any more, um, <laughs> any more deep because um, this can get pretty deep when we are seeking. And if someone asks me, I have Dr. Rao here.
and Dr. Rao is joining, and here we go. Good morning, Dr. Rao. How are you doing today? Good morning, Govinder. I'm fine. I'm just coming out of my yoga session. Awesome. I feel very energized. Yeah. So how was your yoga this morning? Very good. Okay. It's an hour of uh, being in, in the present, being aware and stretching and energizing with the deep breathing and alignment, both sides of the body. And I train them at the end to be witness consciousness. So, so maybe, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. That uh, being you are talking about, not mm -hmm. the doing, but the being, you know, mm -hmm. while you are doing, you can be really in touch with that being too. The mm -hmm. no mind you are talking about, it's an experiential thing, like you are saying. It's not something to be expressed. You can only say so much, but you have to experience that being yes. here and now, you know, right. and there's uh, no distance. Just uh, realize, be yourself. Now, that's a thing Ramana Maharshi said one time, just be, don't have to know anything, don't have to become anything. We are too much doing, Bhupender. Mm -hmm. Why we kind of lose that being that's always there, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of words, little thoughts and all that, but if you are quiet, then in that quietness we discover we are there. I know what you're talking about, but I'm just relating to you that way. No, and, and, and it's a double-edged sword, as Dr. Ravi said, because we have to converse, and that's what I keep saying. There's so much information, so many books, and we keep listening. It's like eating the food but not digesting it. Mm -hmm. And that digesting is what you're referring to as taking a pause, just yes. being with yourself. It is difficult, but it is it is like opening a door, right? Yeah, it's like a solid is there, but we cloud it with the mind activity or physical activity and all that. But if you are really calm, the mind, the quietness really is that is the silence that is uh, us. And in that silence, we are happy and contented. But then the moment the mind movement starts, then we go there. So it's like a uh, wheel covering over the sun. And once a wheel is taken off, the sun shines by itself. That's Correct. why the prakasha by itself, self-luminous, you know. Um, yeah. oh. so, so another thing, uh, Dr. Rao, because the the definition of yoga over time has been diluted. This is my understanding. That's and very yeah. Because I, yoga is for mind book in there. It's a uh, um, Patanjali when he wrote three books. Yeah. One was for the Ayurveda for the body. The second one was the Patanjali Yoga Sutras, which mm -hmm. is for the mind. Actually, if you really quieten the mind then who you really are is revealed. Yes. Otherwise, you function through the mind. That's the status of most of us. Yeah. So we can't quieten the mind, you know. That's the first, second sort of thing. Yoga, chitta, vritti, nirodaha. Then what happens? Tada, drashtu, sarupe, avasthanam. Otherwise, 
you are going to be using the mind, but never touching that uh, being which you are. Yeah. The reason, Dr. Rao, I intentionally brought up the word yoga is I, I, I grew up in India and it, as part of my school curriculum, I uh, had to do yoga every day and I actually read Sanskrit for seven years. Mm. And when I came to the Western world here, after 20 years or so, I actually took yoga teacher training. I paid someone $3,000. <laughs> and I told this guy, because they were pronouncing these Sanskrit words, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I read that Sanskrit. There was a reason for that. And mm-hmm. and the way the yoga is perceived is totally different here. And I mm-hmm. sort of wanted to say, but then this guy was the teacher. For example, Brahmacharya, right? Mm-hmm. It is someone who understands the universe, but... <laughs> they have created a different meaning and that's why I wanted you to say a few things about yoga so people can hear. My understanding of yoga was union, not at the level of this physicality, but my union with my higher self. There I'm one with this whole existence. In fact, there's only one at that point. You're absolutely right, Bhupinder, because it is not the union of body and mind and spirit that but it is the union of the jiva with Paramatma or jiva with Brahman. Brahman is that vast universal energy you are talking about and out of that uh, um, the body and mind manifest and then they go away. So that part of the Brahman which is us, that's why they said Aham Brahmasmi. I am that absolute consciousness. To come to that, what happens is the body has to be in good shape to be able to sit down and mm-hmm. meditate on this truth and arrive the truth and realize it. It's not attaining it, it's realizing it. Means it is already there. So we just uh, have to make our mind uh, quiet and calm. So they have eight steps, they say. First, you have to be moral and ethical and also clean within yourself and outside. Those two are yama and yama. And then Sit in asana, that's the posture, and breathe and strengthen the body and withdraw the senses. That is uh, uh, asana, pranayama, pranayama is the breathing. And the fifth one is withdraw the senses from outward and then so that you are telling the mind, I'm doing something with you. And the last three steps are you kind of uh, concentrate, dharana, dhyana is the meditation, and then immersing in the deep uh, uh, stillness is samadhi. So all these eight steps are towards that, that union of our individual consciousness with the universal consciousness, which we are already part of, but we don't realize that. That's mm-hmm. why we feel that in yoga after that. But if you don't have a good body, uh, uh, diseased body, you cannot do, sit and do all this. That's why physical yoga is important. Mm-hmm. In that 192 verses, Patanjali says only one one sentence: "Therasukam uh, asana, stable and you know comfortable position. You should be sitting down. To do that, you need a lot of um, um, health uh, measures and all that. That's why the uh, uh, you know physical yoga is important. But people kind of." Uh, take it up and then uh, they do it very regularly but they confine only to the 
body, then they are uh, missing out on life. You know? But if they are doing further, that's well and good. But generally, the emphasis is given only to the body. Even though I'm a physician, I know the intricacies of yoga postures and how they are useful for everybody. I may treat them with uh, back pain and headaches and so many ailments we can help people to uh, really relief from the body pain and all that. But that's not the aim of the yoga. You have to pursue further to really realize what we are talking about is the union of um, you know, universal consciousness with the individual consciousness and realizing I am part of that universal consciousness. Aham Brahmasmi. Even Tatpamasi. All those Mahavakyas, they call them great sentences. One sentence tells everything about the Sanskrit um, versus they tell everything about that particular Veda, that particular text. So, brevity means that that's what it is. An enormous amount of information loaded into one that one particular sentence. You know, the Mahavakyas, the four of them are there. Aham Brahmasi, Tatmavasi, Pragnana Brahma, Aham Atma Brahma. So, all these quotes uh, are very, very important, I think. Uh, so, Sanskrit is a wonderful language. I wish I had learned it. For me, in India, I was only doing physical yoga as a routine in the drill master routine once a week, but not much, you know. But then, a lot of life is embedded with, uh, with this uh, spiritual principle, so we don't know. Without we knowing, we will be doing uh, those uh, yoga snaps. For example, Sashtanga Namaskar, that's what they do, uh, prostrating in front of the God all the way on the floor, both uh, his forehead, his face, and his chest and abdomen, and limbs, knees, everything touching on the floor, because uh, he wants to uh, surrender himself to the Divine. But that's a very good uh, uh, asana. And then they sit on the Vajrasana and then they get up and then they do the protectionas. There's a movement. All those things are embedded into spiritual life so that people will do that. All that is gone with the westernization of the commercial consumerism in all over the world. But you know what? I learned most of my intricacies of yoga and deeper aspects of yoga in United States. That's mm -hmm. one beauty about this country, everything is available. And so the Indian ancient things I'm studying here and then trying to bring it with the modern medicine and take the wisdom from the ancients, being close to the nature and doing a lot of stuff that they found out. Their, their insights were phenomenal. As a modern physician, it was a revelation to me how much they knew about the interior of us, you know, not only physical, but also mental and psychological and spiritual. I will stop there, Gopan. Yeah, I know when you're in the flow, there's nothing stopping you. And, and something happened on the app. I don't see you as my guest. Um, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I can see myself and you. Yeah, something happened. I, I don't see you here, but thank you so much. And, and what Dr. Rao is sharing is, is very deep wisdom. And the Sanskrit is one of the ancient languages. <clears throat> and, and if we start unpacking, just taking a few couplets from here, uh, it will take hours. Um, but the point here is, it's not about gathering the information. There are so many sources. When I published my first book, I learned there are more authors in 
North America, then uh, the readers, that ratio was not very balanced. And it is not about gathering information. It's not about... It is, it's not about knowing more and more of the world outside of you. It is about knowing who we are. And until we don't know who we are, all that information is very similar to lighting up the street, the neighborhood, the country, but not lighting up the house we live in, not knowing who we are. And no matter how much we know of the outside world from, I would say, even the holy texts and scriptures and so on. But if we don't know who we are, we carry the darkness with us. And we are not able to add the highest value that we can to this world, to our life. And that's the key takeaway. It's okay not if you haven't read that, if you don't know that. It is about the yoga, the union, union of your fragmented self as this physical body and the mind body with, you, with your consciousness or with your conscious body, which uh, Dr. Rao said, aham means me, brahmasmi, I am that. I am that, but I have taken myself to be this, this fragmented self as this physical body, as this mind-body. But Dr. Rao also said it is important, very important, to do the physical exercises, which is also called yoga, because this physical body is the vehicle. And if this physical body is not healthy, it's not in good shape, it's like having a car that is in the garage, mechanic's garage, for 28 days of the, of, of the month, then we are not able to maximize from this body. We have to respect, we have to honor this body also by taking care of it. When, because a lot of time we sort of try to disassociate, disassociate from this body. It's equally important. It is the vehicle. It needs to be in the top shape. But then there's a mind body. And then in fact, there are five different bodies but I'm not going to get into the details. I'm trying to keep it simple. That's why I only talk about the two beliefs I call limited beliefs. One is the belief that I am this physical body. The second belief, I am this mind. These are both limited beliefs. These are both impermanent. We are the conscious beings, all of us. And at that level, we are all one. That is the yoga. That is the union. That is the oneness. And that's what we are. Aham Brahmasmi. So thank you, Dr. Rao, for adding this, this beautiful wisdom to this morning uh, conversation. Thank you, Bhupinder. Uh, I will end with one analogy. Uh, sure. It's about the chariot, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, suppose if, at a uh, a, a, a passenger is in the chariot and the driver there, there are horses, horses have the reins and all that, right? The physical uh, part of the chariot is like our body. It has to be in top shape for us to take us to the destination, you know. And the senses are the horses and they are controlled by our thoughts, which is uh, the reins of the mind. and uh, 
you have to have some understanding where you want to go and all that. That is the intellect, which is the driver of the chariot. And the passenger is the one, is that jiva, that uh, soul, you know, that atman, whatever we call it. And then that has the destination to go and uh, be with the you know, you know, universal consciousness, God or self, whatever you call it. You know, he, he knows where he has to go because he realizes who he is, you know. So that part of analogy, I thought it was, it was wonderfully described. So if you have a good body and then good understanding that tells the mind, okay, these are the thoughts I will entertain and these, these thoughts I will control my senses. So body... Uh, senses they come below the mind mind comes below the intellect My intellect comes below the being so being in charge not the mind is supposed to be our control it is controlling us and that's why understanding this analogy may help people and I help people because uh, modern medicine is more like a quantum mechanics reductionist and reducing all this, not even a body or a part of the body, like a heart and lung and all. But yoga gives us a holistic perspective of everything. You don't have to believe anything. You can see anybody is not just their illness or just uh, one particular thing. They have feelings, they have beliefs, they have so many uh, conclusions about themselves. So many things are there. So if you don't treat the whole person, then you can add. So that's what I bring in. Fusion of modern medicine plus ancient wisdom. Wisdom, not information. Yeah, as you rightly said. Wisdom, I bring it in. So it doesn't matter where it came from, but I look at every ancient way. Uh, it could be Mexico, it could be China, Japan, it could be ancient uh, uh, aborigines of Australia, or it could be uh, native Indians of America. They all have this uh, uh, close to the nature and they have a sense of that, you know, and they do uh, feel part of that. Thank you, uh, Bhupendra. I'll see you again. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Rao. So just uh, those who don't know Dr. Rao, he's a doctor of internal medicine, but within his uh, practice, he has the approach of holistic uh, healing where he uses um, yoga and wisdom from the text that he reads from to heal his uh, uh, patients and he brings a um, holistic approach to well-being and when I speak of um, <laughs> the same in a different way even though we might look different outwardly what I'm trying to say is um, at the level of our truer sense, we are not different. And I'm going to wrap up this conversation. So before I wrap this up, I just want to share a little story that will help us understand the significance of going beyond the limited beliefs that I am this body, I am this mind, to discovering who I am. I call self-realization is my God. And once you make it part of your daily practice to go inwards, you will understand how this, how your world will transform. I still recall, I used to teach meditation um, 
at a, at a, at a yoga studio locally here every Monday. And I still remember it was uh, a winter month and the weather was um, not very favorable to driving, but I still made it to the studio and it used to be a one hour class. And it was a nice setting where we used to sit on the floor cross-legged and there were the ambience of the room was wonderful. And that day nobody showed up. And I was sitting in that room by myself. I thought of leaving because there was nobody else. But I stayed put. And I stayed in the room for one hour being with myself. Of course, there was my phone was off and nobody was going to call me because my family knew where I was. I knew there won't be any distraction. And when it came out, the girl at the front desk asked me, oh, I'm so sorry that nobody showed up. I'm like, no, this was the best class I ever had. And I really meant it. I really meant it. And she goes, there were no students. I say, I'm the student. I am the student. When I'm with me, I'm with my master. I'm one with this universe. I'm one with wisdom. Wisdom as my guru. And why it is so important to be with yourself. Why it is so important to self-realize? So here's a story. So there was a king, a very powerful king, and he was smart too, and he knew how to talk to people. And one day there was this, uh, call it a Buddha or a learned person, came to his palace, and this king knew what questions to ask. Talk about um, wisdom, ask those heavy hitter questions. And during the conversation, the king, when he's talking to this uh, um, Buddha, again, Buddha is not that one Buddha, Mahatma Buddha, when I say Buddha, means someone who is self-realized. And that Buddha said, what can I do for you? And the king said, I want to meet God. And the Buddha said, when will you like to meet God? And that question in itself was not the answer that the king was expecting. He was probably expecting that this Buddha will tell me, you got to do this you got to do this, you got to practice this, and so on. He never expected that he will be asked, when will you like to meet God? And of course, the mind will say, oh, hold on, I got to do these things. Okay, we'll choose a time. But if you are looking for God, the answer should be now. So this king, being smart, being that intellect, being that mind said, I want to meet him now. Now the ball is in the core of the Buddha. He has to arrange that meeting. 
So Buddha goes, goes, yeah, you can meet him right now and right here. But I'm going to, when I go talk to God, that someone is here to meet you, what shall I tell him? Means, who are you? So the king said, tell him that King Sebhupender wants to meet him. So the Buddha said, so you are King Bhupender. And what if tomorrow you lose this kingdom? Will you still be a king? So King Bhupender said, no, I won't be. So the Buddha said, then you are not the king. Because you cannot be that forever. You could be on the streets also tomorrow. And then secondly, he said, are you Bhupender? He said, yeah. I said, what if I call you Dr. Rao? We name you differently. It can be changed. He said, yeah, it can be changed. So he said, then you are not really king. You are not really Bhupender. You could be that beggar. You could be Dr. Rao or Mr. John. So tell me, who are you? Tell me, who is the one who is always there, king or otherwise? And in that moment, the king started thinking and the Buddha said, unless you don't know who you are, what shall I tell the God who is here to meet you? So the point here is, we are identifying ourselves with what is impermanent and actually meeting God is meeting ourselves. The moment we realize who we are is meeting God. So self-realization is God. That king is there even when he is that beggar on side of the street. That king or that real self is there. It could be called Bhupender or it could be called Dr. John or Dr. Rao or whatever. And that is our true self beyond these identifications, without, beyond these impermanences, beyond these two limited beliefs that I am simply this body or I'm simply this mind is impermanent. It is called the material world. So meeting God is really meeting ourselves. And until we haven't met ourselves, we are not alive. It is like that wave on the ocean 
that does not know it is actually the ocean. The ocean is also water, the wave is also water. Until we don't realize who we are, the house we live in is not lit up. But we have lit up the whole city and the whole world. Before we help someone, we got to help ourselves. And when we have helped ourselves, our presence is enough. Our presence is enough. And when we are simply present, we have realized who we are, we are beyond these limited beliefs. It's very similar than the urge to drive away darkness, darkness being pain, darkness being negativity, darkness being bad people, bad situations. We are fighting it at the level of mind, as that mind. We are fighting with ourselves as these thoughts. But when we realize who we are, it's like lighting up the lamp in a dark room. Do you need to drive away darkness? You as that lamp, as that light, is good enough. The darkness disappear. It wasn't there in the first place. It was your absence. You are the darkness. When you are present, when you have realized there is no darkness. And then, at that point, there is actually oneness. There is only one. That one which I called the space in which the universe is, that space is actually consciousness. It's the infinite energy field. And that's what we all are. So with that, I'm going to close this discussion this morning. And thank you so much for listening. It is powerful. Thank you for your presence. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to share with you. Have a wonderful weekend and remain connected and we'll talk soon.